Welcome to Chapter 9 of the Kinsman Die Podcast, home of fantasy fiction based on Norse mythology that's written and read by me, Matt Bishop. In this podcast, I read my first novel, Kinsman Die, one chapter each week. Every five chapters, I'll recap the key plot points and provide some insight into the myths I've referenced in the book. In the last chapter, Frigg experienced a vision of her son, Balder, saying something to her that she just couldn't hear thanks to the roaring flames that consumed his words from the air as greedily as they did his flesh. In this chapter, we're back with Vidar as he deals with getting shoved even further out of his comfort zone. But before we begin, I'll bring your attention to a few words that, thanks to my amazing voice, are difficult to understand. I'm not going to spell them out because that just sounds like gibberish, but there is a transcript available for the show, which you can access via the public site, and I'll put a link in the description. The first word is trader. I'm saying trader as in a merchant or one who trades in goods. I am not saying traitor as in one who betrays. The scene will make a lot more sense with that clarification in mind. Second is fulgya. That's Vidar's Disir, his companion spirit. Next is Kjoler. It means keel, as in the keel of a ship. It's part of my attempt to create a rank system for the warbands that will be featured in the book. Kind of like sergeant, captain, lieutenant. I didn't want to use those words because they're much more modern, and the root of those words is very different from... Germanic, Norse, etc. So I wanted to try and do something different. Finally is Hersir, which means something along the lines of war chief or leader. And I use it pretty often when referring to those in command, both of the Einherar and the other war bands that you'll soon meet in the book. More generally, as I've been reading aloud, the Norse words that I've chosen to include in the book are pretty jarring. When I started writing, I was enamored with the idea of introducing all these cool words uh, with different meanings, and I was really hoping to lend an air of authenticity to the world just by incorporating them. And now, kind of years later, I can, I think, admit to myself that my attempt was unsuccessful in that the goal is really to draw readers in and keep them immersed in the story and not bounce them right back out again when they hit an unfamiliar word. So I think that's what's happened with some of these words that I've chosen to use, particularly the ones that are much more difficult to pronounce and are not uh, proper names. So I've addressed that in in my books that I will eventually get to, and I think what I'll keep doing in the podcast in general is kind of edit those out as I read so that you don't really hear them quite as much. And maybe I'll reference the words that I removed in that way in the recap episodes. So with that said, let's do this. Chapter 9. Vidar. Vidar tucked his cloak more closely around him as a gust of wind tried to claw it open. It was difficult to appear authoritative while shivering. He cleared his throat. Gothi, good council members of Halls, my Kjoller here reports that your people, our people, are being seen to. We'll be ready to move out before Saul rises another hand's breath. So, Gothi, if you're ready, please tell me as much as you can about what happened. The small fire crackled and popped as the aged Gothi rose to his feet, his back to the largest boulder. Again, thank you, y'all, Vidar, for coming so quickly. 
I take it Yako is all right? Vidar nodded. Yes, Gothi Dorvath, your man is exhausted, but safe. Aye, Garlon added. He ran into some merchants on the main road. They didn't believe him, but let him swap out his horse so he could get to Vithi that much quicker. He would have come with us, but the Jarl forbade it. Those merchants were headed to pick up my goods, another man, tall and well-groomed beneath the liberal coating of dirt and ash, leaped to his feet. A silver torque hung around his neck. More silver glinted beneath the cuffs of his shirt and heavy coat. What are you going to do, Jarl? The trader demanded in a sharp, high-pitched voice. Or, more precisely, when will you ride into my town, extinguish the fires, and save my goods? I have a warehouse stocked with pelts. They were to be shipped out this morning. I'll lose thousands of silver. Garlon stepped toward the trader, pointing a blunt finger. You'll put a silly tongue in your mouth when you address the Jarl. And if I don't... The trader waved a ringed hand dismissively toward Vidar. We had no choice in his being Jarl. Another of the Allfather's broods set up above us. Another time-honored custom broken at our expense. We pay our tribute, and this is what we get? He jabbed a finger at Vidar. We've paid up. Do your part. Get down there and save what's left of the town. Before the shock at the trader's words had really hit Vidar, Garlon had grabbed a double fistful of the man's heavy shirt and shoved the trader back a pair of steps toward the boulders sheltering them. Stop, Kyolar, release him, Vidar said. Garlon let the man drop. The trader stumbled as he regained his balance. Garlon stepped back, fists unclenching. Check on the warband, Kyolar, and the scouts, Vidar said. Garlon nodded and stalked off toward where the garrison moved among the townsfolk. That had to have been an act. You didn't become Hairseer of the Einherar, even for a short time, unless you were able to control yourself. So why had Garlon done that? To cut off criticism? To remind them of Vidar's authority? Both? And, more to the point, why hadn't he himself acted as swiftly as Garlon? His father would never have suffered such brazenness. Vidar raised his voice, loud and sharp against the building wind. You're right, traitor, I am one of the Allfather's sons. You're also right that, against custom, you had no choice or say in my appointment to this district. He stepped closer to the fire. However, the Allfather may appoint who he wishes, when he wishes. You should be grateful, and I'm sure you are, that he so seldom invokes his prerogative. He held the traitor's gaze and then looked at each call ringing the fire. Inclining his head respectfully to the town's chief, Vidar continued, None of that wipes out my obligation to this town or to any other town or village within Vithi's borders. When I received word of this calamity, I mustered the warband, sped here, and called for reinforcements from Gladsame. The Ein Harar ride as we speak. He met the trader's gaze again. The man oozed belligerence. Vidar kept his tone even, though his own anger rattled within the scabbard of his mind. Svulga saw it, and he felt her own rage trickle in to feed his own. It seemed they were two separate beings, after all. Vidar gritted his teeth, flung her anger back down at her, and forced a smile to his face. It vanished a moment later, like Saul on a cloudy day. I stand here ready to fulfill my duty as Jarl to your town. But I won't be rash. I need to learn what happened. But so far, all you've done is interrupt your Gothi and delay me. He pointed up at the sky. Saul begins her daily descent within the eight, at most. I need to get you and the townsfolk moving towards safety, but I also need to know how many Jotun attacked and what clan they were, or what tribe at least. Vidar took a step toward the traitor and punched a finger at him. So sit back down, shut up, and let your Gothi tell me what happened. Still belligerent, the traitor looked ready to say something else. 
Vidar kept up his glare. The Asir tugged at the hem of his heavy shirt, adjusted the silver bracelets around his wrists, and fingered his rings as if emphasizing to Vidar who he was. Then he shrugged and sat back down. He looked around the circle, back straight, head high, daring the other Carls to say something. None met his eye. Their faces were all expressionless. Vidar waited a long moment. Garillon stepped back into the silence around the campfire, met Vidar's eye, and shook his head. Still no sign of the scouts. Not necessarily bad, but it didn't help him make his decision at all. Suppressing a sigh, Vidar said, Now, Gothi Dorvath, if you please, tell us what happened. The Gothi cleared his throat and shot a stern look at the traitor. As I was about to say, today, well, yesterday morning, actually, was the day I travel up to the mines for the monthly inspection. Everything was normal. A typical, quiet, winter morning. We reached the forest road. Excuse me, Gothi, but who is we? Vidar asked. Apologies, Jarl. I was riding up with the next three-day shift. The mine's too far off to make daily trips, so every three days we change shifts. This was one of the switch days. Well, y- yesterday was. No permanent crew at the mines? No, Jarl. He shifted his feet as if uncomfortable. The wardens switch out along with the mining crews. There's only ever a short time that the mine's untended. The returning crew and their replacements typically meet up somewhere along the road. Come to be a game, since where the two crews meet on the road shows who got up earlier or was moving quicker. Anyway, leaving the mine untended's never been an issue. Not in my life. Not until now. But no one ever expected Jotun to show up here in Vithi. No, indeed. No criticism intended, Gothi. I was just trying to get a sense of things. A sense that maybe you should have gotten before now, groused the traitor. This time, a few other voices rumbled their assent. Vidar let the comment pass. He gestured for the Gothi to continue. Anyways, we were nearly at the mine when things got strange. Now, I served in the army. I've seen battle with the Jotun and those savages to the far south. It wasn't anything in particular, maybe how quiet it was or just that sense of eyes on you, you know. Vidar nodded, as did Garillon and several of those seated around the fire. The Gothi paused, took a breath, and composed himself. Well, Jarl, we rounded that third switchback, the wide, looping one, and right there we saw the mining crew, dead. Arrows in, most of them. Carts overturned, horses slaughtered in their traces, road blocked. We were frozen there. Shocked, you know. The Gothi was lost in the moment now. And that's when they hit us. Elkin was right beside me. He dropped, screaming and coughing blood. Geffer was behind me on my other side. Another arrow took him. I'd be dead too if Rolo hadn't dragged me down and pulled me behind the, our own wagons. Threngi shouted something behind us. Form up, form up, or something. He was always one to talk like that. He died before the rest of us could drag him to cover. After that surprise, we just kept our heads down and tried to figure out where the arrows were coming from. I knew we had to move, but there were just too many arrows flying. The Gothi's eyes stared out past the fire. Vidar gave the old man a moment before jogging him from his reverie. Did you see how many Jotun there were, Gothi? What tribe? The man blinked, shook his head, and brought a gnarled hand up to his wipe at his eyes. Vidar plowed on. All right, that's, that's fine. Are any of those Asir you were with still, well, did they make it off the mountain? It would be helpful if we spoke with them, too. One of the Carls stood, leaning on a stick to help herself up. An older woman, graying hair pulled back in a long braid, she held her back straight and wagged a finger fiercely at Vidar. 
Just hold on now, Jarl or not, show respect for the dead. The Gothi, all of us, lost many friends and family today. Lost more than that. Trader Farman here is an ass, but he wasn't all wrong in what he said before. This time, almost all of those seated rumbled their assent. Several threw heated glances at him. Vidar didn't know what to say. He thought his questions relevant enough, and time wasn't on their side. Surely they could see that. Good woman. Carl Inessa, she corrected, voice knife-sharp. She swept an arm in a wide arc. My family owns most of the logging in this area, which you'd know if you didn't sit back at your fort, building odd instruments and staring up at the sky. Oh, I've heard the tales, we all have, and when I first did, I said, No good'll come of that, and sure enough, no good has. The other Carls nodded in agreement. Several others clambered to their feet, angry looks sprouting on their faces. Farman looked around smugly. The Gothi had regained his composure and seemed to be trying to still the rising discontent. Vidar raised his hands, palm patting the air as if that might calm them. Please, Carly Nessa, Trader Farman, and... Panic struck at him as he realized that despite being Jarl of the district for 27 winters, he didn't know the names of those on this town's council. And other good Carls in Drenger, he finished lamely. I assure you, there is no connection between... He was interrupted by a shout from one of the other Carls. What if those Jotun attacked us because of, well, whatever unnatural things you're doing in that fort of yours, eh? A few others echoed his sentiment. Don't be absurd, Vidar began. Don't you talk to me like that, the Carl continued. He was middle-aged, stout, and voluble. Jarl or not, son of the Allfather or not, you're as beholden to us as we are to you, and don't you forget it. I assure you, good Carl, I have not forgotten it. He doesn't know my name either, the stout Aesir said, pointing at Vidar and staring around the circle. He's been here for what, almost thirty winters, and he doesn't know my name? Just the Gothis? I bet he had to ask his Kjoller there what the Gothis' name was, too. Despite himself, Vidar threw a quick glance at Garlon. He did, the stout man crowed. You see that? Now all of the council members were on their feet, and their voices merged into one loud, rolling rumble of discontent. The Gothis' efforts to restore calm weren't even noticed. With a ringing clap of his hands, Garlon stepped into the circle, putting himself between Vidar and the council. In what had to be close to his battlefield voice, he said, Carlinessa, Carl Gunnar, Trader Farman, Gothi. And you, other good Carls, please, sit. We know you're distressed, beyond distressed. Hungry, exhausted, grieving both for lost loved ones and lost livelihoods alike. Garlon held a hand out toward Vidar. As the Jarl said, he's here. I'm here. His warband is here. You may not have heard it, but before we met up with you on the road, the Jarl commanded me to signal the Einherar. He saw that black smoke rising above your town and called for them right then. So all the way back in Gladsheim, Heimdall heard that horn's sharp cry. Reinforcements ride our way even now. But even before they arrive, the Jarl and the warriors he brought will be your shield and spear if it proves necessary. Vidar stood as still as the boulders around them. This must be why his father had placed Garalon here with him. As for Jarl Vidar's questions, Carly Nessa, well, they need to be asked and answered as, as best as possible. We need to know what we face. It's past midday now, so we've only a few more hours of good light. We need to get you and the townsfolk sorted, wounds tended, and everyone provisioned as best we can. It's a long ride back to Vithy on an empty road, so even a rough estimate of how many Jotun we face will help us plan our next move. 
Garillon radiated such calm confidence that the angry tension drained away from the clutch of Carl's like a flood easing down from its crest. Vidar had seen Odin do the same thing when he spoke with the warriors of the army and the elite Einherar. Did he himself even have that talent? Based on this account encounter alone, it didn't seem so. Was it something he could learn? Was that why father had sent him here? Maybe. But it had to be why his father had sent a former hairseer of the Einherar to be his second-in-command. He could never have calmed that situation down. Garm's bloody snout, he had to admit he'd created it to begin with. All right, then, Garlon said, smiling and rubbing his hands together now that he'd led the council back from the brink. Now we've cleared that up. Let's hear the rest, Kothi. And please, understand that both the Jarl and I greatly sympathize with your losses here today. Everyone's losses. Don't misunderstand our questions for a lack of caring. He pointed up at Sol, now dipping past her zenith. Time presses. Of course, Garlon hadn't even mentioned that they'd only been able to bring half the garrison. Nor had he mentioned that the Einherar from Gladsheim were at least a full night away, even assuming they rode hard. The Einherar from the western garrison were much closer, but Vidar wasn't confident that they would ride out, not, at least, without getting permission from Sagland and Gladsheim first. No, it was much more likely that he and his warriors were on their own, at least for the remainder of the day, the night, and... Maybe the full day tomorrow. Perhaps longer. Vidar's attention fell back on the Carls and the Gothi. Their circle had closed around Garlon, and they were all speaking animatedly with him now. They seemed to have forgotten that Vidar was even there. He didn't quite know how to take that. Part of him was relieved the pressure of performing as Jarl was off of him. But a large part of him remained annoyed. Should he force them to acknowledge him? No, better not to. Garlon would get the information they needed, and then he'd inform Vidar. But what the sharp-tongued Inessa had said dug at him. He was more comfortable staring up at the stars or tracking Muspel's sparks than touring his district and getting to know the people for whom he was responsible. Getting angry at seeing their suffering firsthand had been a childish response. It was easy to get upset when he faced something awful, but... Thirty-six winters ago, Odin had dragged him away from following his curiosity wherever it led. And this was why he'd done it. Gladsheim needed leaders. Did he have what it took to become one? Well, folks, that was Chapter 9 of Kinsman Die. I hope you enjoyed it. Fedor's just demonstrated that he's an inexperienced leader and that after many years of perhaps avoiding that responsibility, events may now require him to put up or shut up. I'm a big believer in value for value, so I have several requests. Please leave a review on whatever podcast app or platform you use. They really help. And please share the podcast. That also helps a ton. And finally, please consider supporting my work by buying my books or in some other way, likes, follows, Patreon, locals, etc. I'd also enjoy hearing from you. You can email me at mattbishopwrites at gmail.com. And with that, I will leave you with this thought from the sayings of the High One, Odin himself. And as always, this is the Bellows translation, which is available on Sacred Texts. Verse 9. Happy the man who has while he lives wisdom and praise as well. For evil counsel... 
a man full oft has from another's heart.